We've been on this new journey together for approximately four and a half months, which is cool. And we haven't bought into the lie that the church needs to be more busy or that the church needs to be like every other church. We have been very focused these first four and a half months. You might even say solely focused to become a, a people in a house of prayer and a people who worship the Lord in spirit and truth. Amen. People who are not satisfied with yesterday's bread, yesterday's encounter, yesterday's breakthrough, but people in whom God is cultivating a passion to believe for more in our day today than yesterday. We have not launched 25 ministry groups. We have not launched a bunch of different campaigns. We have very methodically for 14 plus Wednesdays in a row called the church to pray and to gather in the throne room of God. Because since we started this journey together, I've said too many times to count, it's not hard for God to do anything How many would believe that today? It's not hard for God to do anything. <laughs> a nation can be born in a day. A people can be in bondage for 400 plus years and in one moment, the sea of impossibility can be parted and two million people can walk through on dry ground. Where a guy who's been stinky and dead for four days, one come forth, he comes forth and the dead's raised. We've been saying for approximately four and a half months, it's not hard for God to do anything. What's hard for God is to find people in whom he can do whatever he wants in and through. Let me say that again. What's hard for God, and the reason why 2 Chronicles 16.9 is both the most hope-filled scripture and the most tragic scripture at the same time is that the eyes of the Lord have to range throughout all the earth trying to find one or two or a few people who are completely given over to his purposes so that he can show himself strong to them and through them. Amen. We've been saying for four and a half months that the way we become a people in whom and through whom God can do whatever he wants is by becoming a people submitted yielded and offered up to the, the Lord and to his purposes. And it's arguable, the most tangible way we can do that is by becoming a people of prayer. Where we yield in his presence, where we catch a glimpse of his glory and his majesty and his beauty, and where he empowers us to go out and to be the peculiar people that you and I are designed to be in a world longing to see vibrant colors. We have the Thrive Conference here, and I believe the Thrive Conference strategically and prophetically is sort of first phase of this new journey together. I have the privilege of welcoming three of my spiritual fathers from around the country 
to pour into our house, to impart to us what we lack and what we long for. And then I believe that God is gonna bring a harvest to Cornerstone Church that we won't be able to house or hold in this building. Isn't it interesting that the prayer isn't, Lord, help the workers in the harvest to be effective. The prayer is, Lord, will you just raise up some people who are willing to be workers in my harvest field? Because nothing is impossible or difficult or hard for God. Phase one is almost complete. That doesn't mean we're gonna stop praying. We're still gonna pray every Wednesday and every Sunday morning at 10. But as your pastor, I want you to know where we've been and where we're headed. And today is the start of phase two. Who's excited about phase two? I find it significant that in the Gospel of John, the first chapter, we see in verse four that John says, Jesus is life. Later in John chapter 5, Jesus says that the Father has life in himself and also the Son has life in himself. That Jesus, he's not just the aim of our faith, he is the source of the life that we have by the Spirit. Amen. Jesus is life for the world, for the universe. Jesus is the one through whom the Father spoke something out of nothing when he spun the stars into space and when he formed the trees and the oceans and the fishies or whatever you tell, whatever they're called to adults. <laughs> Christ is life. Say it with me. Christ is life. He is the manifestation of life. He is the point of life. He is the source of life. Jesus is life. And Jesus is what life was always meant to be like. Would you agree with me? If he's the source of it, you would think that when he walked on the earth, what he modeled is some sort of evidence about what life should be all about. Come on, help the preacher this morning. If he is life, that means what Jesus walked in and what he gave and how he yielded and served and how he touched the unlovely and hung out with people far from God, you would think this was more than a good idea. This is what life was always meant to be. What's significant, here's point number two. I got a four-point message, and it's going to be short. Christ is life. And Christ showed us life by serving. Say it with me. Christ showed us life by serving. And it's arguable Christ gave us life through serving. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus called the 12 together after they're arguing with each other about who's the greatest and who gets to sit at the right and left hand of God. Did you know that the person next to you sometimes forget what's, what's, what life's all about? As you know, the person on the, behind the pulpit sometimes forget who life is all about and what life's all about. They're arguing, and Jesus just told them he's going to go to the cross, by the way. <laughs> and his disciples are arguing about who's the best. 
We can't relate to them, so I'm going to move on. <laughs> Jesus said, you know those regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them and their high officials. They exercise authority over them. In other words, in the world, not the kingdom, authority becomes a means to an end, to manipulate, to coerce, to squash down, and to get your own way. Did you know that the way of the world and the way of the kingdom, they're not exactly in the same sphere? So Jesus is telling him, guys, not so with you. Instead, in my kingdom, those who follow me and who draw their life from me, whoever wants to be great among you must be your, help me out, servant. And whoever wants to be first must be or slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and here it is, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So point number one, Christ is life. Christ came to give life through serving. You see where I'm going. This is just a simple message. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. I, I am life, and I came to pour out my life, not from a white palace off in the distance, far from human sorrow and tragedy and suffering and sin, but by getting into the muck and the mire with humanity and serving them in that place. Are you kidding me? Do we serve a God who is amazing or what? In fact, Philippians 2 verse 5 through 8 tells us that Jesus didn't just sometimes act like a servant. It tells us in Philippians 2 that he actually became, say that with me, he became a servant. And servant is not, it's not powerful enough. He became a slave, one who even if he had rights, he forfeited his rights. He was so serious about getting the life that he is and he experienced into his people. And the only way he could do it was through the most powerful channel, which was humble servant love. He took the very nature. It, it, was, it was his bone structure was servant. And this is how he gave life. And what's so significant in my quiet time, the Lord added this to the message this morning. Toward the end of Jesus' life, you see him doing two things. In John 15, this is so awesome. I love it. So all of Jesus' life is serving the will of the Father, serving those around him. Would we agree? Okay, a few of you agree. That's, I'm taking it. It's true. It's true. And toward the end of his life, listen, in your life, you know, no one says this at the end of their life. No one. No one. And I mean no one. Bummer. I focused on others too much. Come on, somebody. No one at the end of their life says, man, I wish I would have spent more resources on myself. No one at the end of their life comes to the end and goes, man, I wish I wasn't so stinking generous. I wish I had more in my account. Come on. No one, but is the opposite true? Sadly, yes. Man, I missed it. I was so bogged down in my own life, my own reality, my own preferences, me, 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 me. I missed out on something. So Jesus spends his entire life serving. And then right before he goes to the cross, he's saying these sort of things to his disciples. <laughs> I've told you this, obey me. Abide in my love so that your joy may be complete. So here's a guy who lives his whole life serving, and 
a few of the things that he imparts or gives to his disciples before he goes to the cross and he descends and he's resurrected and, and ascends at the right hand of the Father. He's giving them something that is only the byproduct of a life not fixed on me, but fixed toward him and on others. That's good. That was good. That was a good one. I've told you this. I've abided in my Father. Guys, disciples, you've watched me love him. You've watched me go down and serve. I just washed your feet two chapters earlier. They stunk. It's not in the text. Don't find it. It's not there. And my whole life has been about others and have been about my Father. And I'm about to go, but let me impart something to you. Joy that is found through serving and through giving your life away instead of holding it to yourself. You don't think that's cool. Watch this. Two chapters later, now he's kneeling in the garden before the Father. Now he's really getting close. And what's on Jesus' mind? <laughs> I've brought you glory, verse 4. Father, by finishing the work that you gave me to do, Jesus had work to do, and so do we. The Father's still working, beloved, and you and I were created for good works, Ephesians 2.10. And Jesus says this, I'm coming to you now, Papa, in verse 13, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. Why? So that they have the full measure of my life filled with regret because I live so focused on God and myself. Jesus came to give life. Jesus is life. Jesus came to give life through serving. And Jesus modeled that that life is the most satisfying, joy-filled life, period. So number three, you and I receive life by believing in Jesus. I have come to give them life and life more abundantly or to the full, John 10, 10. So I am life. I came to give life through serving, and the way you get in on that life is not by striving harder or signing up for every ministry, but by just believing I am who I said I am, and I want to pour my life into you by my spirit and my grace. That's point number three. That's good enough. Point number four. Last point. Many of us, this is what the Lord gave me as I was driving. Thank you, boomers, for the living example. Boomers on the side of the 101. <laughs> Many of us believe point number one. Yeah, he's life. Okay. We believe point number two. Yeah, yeah, he gave life through serving. We even believe point number three. I receive. I believe Jesus is the king. He's the Lord. I was a sinner, but he saved me and made me a saint and gave me a new name, a new nature, a new purpose, a new creation. Yippee. But we stop there. And we buy into the lie of culture that then it's about just being a consumer, sitting back in cruise control. I'm good. I received it. Got my get out of hell free card. Anyone ever fall into that trap or category? I got some honest people here. Thank you. And I felt like the Lord said as I was driving on the way into the building this morning, chatty, Unless we all get into number four, you will settle for a boomer's like, no offense if you're the boomer's owner or anything or you own stock. I'm not nogging on boomers. You will settle for boomers when I've offered you the Disney world. And it's not entertainment, but just go with the metaphor. They're all imperfect. That's why they're a metaphor. They're not exact. Many of us, we believe 
We receive the life in Christ, but listen, we grow in life by serving Jesus, his family, and his world. Period. I'm sorry, there's no shortcut, there's no secret sauce or prayer or enough meetings or whatever unless you allow the one who served you to not just serve you, but to transform you into a servant, which is the greatest in the kingdom, you're gonna miss out on life. You're gonna settle for boomers when he's offered you Disney World. Metaphorically, you know what I'm saying. The life of vibrancy, the life of, of where there's such a joy knowing, man, I'm living for a bigger purpose than my own. A life that's not centered on you, but centered on him. A life where your confession spills over, not just into the words you say, but the operational reality of the rhythms of your life where you realize he came not to be served, so I want to live as a servant too. We grow in life by serving Jesus, his family, and his world. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, Jesus said, John 12, 26, my servant will be also. And by the way, my father will honor the one who serves me. That's good. Core value number four. Equip. You and I, when we encounter the life-saving power of God, pass from death to life. He then, core value number two, empowers us to live out of that encounter. Okay, hello, write it down. After an encounter, we exchange ashes for beauty, fear for faith, guilt for grace. We give up death and we get life. Out of the exchange, he's, he empowers us. And when he empowers us, we then, by his spirit and in the church, we get equipped to live out and to find our place in the body to serve for the glory of God. Yes. Equip. That's the, that's the core value this week. We gather every week and we sign up for groups and we come to church more than 1.4 times a month, even though that's what they say the national average is. Who wants Cornerstone to break the national average? Come on, somebody. <laughs> I want, you to, I want Cornerstone to break the national average. That The average attender comes 1.4 times a month. I don't know where other 0.6 of them are, but whatever. We are each uniquely graced and empowered by God to do the work of service. And we are equipped in the church, in the family of God, by leaders so that not we can be cogs in a wheel, but that every person can reach their full potential in God. Every single person. How do you know? How do you know what your gifts are? How do you know what, what, where do I fit? Where do I plug in? Where do I serve? Well, number one, here's a practical point. Number one, just start plugging in everywhere and eventually you'll run into what you're made for. I'm being serious. Many of us want to use uh, gift cop-out. I don't have that gift, so I don't need to do it. No, come on, somebody. I've got the gift to fill in the blank, so I don't need to do that. That may be true, but get off your booty. It's time. We don't want, we, gifts were never a means for an excuse to not participate in family life. And some of us have, uh, we have gift 
pride where because your gift is so strong, you think everyone else needs to operate in the same thing you do. So you go around making people feel bullied and beat up on and not good enough. And let me tell you something. The point of your gift is not about you. It's about lifting the person around you up. That's the point of the gift, period, period. So if I'm to be equipped because Christ is life, Christ came to give life through serving. I receive life by believing in Christ and I grow in life by serving Christ, his family and his world. Those are the four points. And then now we're equipped. This is phase number two that we're gonna be journeying through for months together to become an equipped people. How do you know what your gift or your grace is? You can read 1 Corinthians 12 as homework. You can read Romans chapter 12 as homework. I don't have time. And you can read Ephesians 4 as homework. That's your homework, y'all. Because I gotta be done. But three simple things that help us know and identify what our gifts are. I got these from J.D. Greer. Number one, ability. What are you naturally good at or do you have promise in? That's not pride. How many know knowing who you are is not pride? Let me say that again, people. Knowing who you are and what you're good at is not pride. You do no good to the kingdom or to those around you by being confident in knowing how God wired you and made you. In fact, if you don't know what you're good at and confident in it, it actually does a disservice to those around you. Number two, affinity. What are you passionate about or what do you care deeply about? Are you tracking with me? What are you good at? What do you love? What are you passionate about or care about? I say it like this. What makes you happy, sad, mad, or glad? Come on, somebody. I got an email, early, a text earlier this week from a gal I know for a fact has a heart to start a home for young pregnant moms who don't want to give up the baby to abortion. She wants to help raise up homes and raise up facilities and people to take care of these moms. I didn't put that on her. That was a gift and a grace because she's meant to lead in that realm. That's how the kingdom works. And this person doesn't need to walk around to every believer and say, don't you care about unwed moms who are trying to... She doesn't do that. She, she, she rises up in her own potential, invites others to serve with her, but then makes room for people and their passions and what God's gifted them to do. That's a good word right there. And the number four, affirmation. So ability, affinity, or passion, and then affirmation. What do others affirm that God uses you when you're doing it? This is why we need each other. Chad, I see the gift of grace. I see that grace on your life. Ryan, I see the grace of God on your life when you're doing A, B, C, or D. You know what I'm getting at. Tim, I see the grace of God on your life when, (laughs) Regina, when you make chicken adobe. (laughs) Come on, girl. (laughs) Come on, girl. Let me just declare that over your life. I'm just kidding. One of the great things about having the kid is that people get to bring you dinner, and she brought some uh, chicken adobo with some rice, and man, I, I about died and had a spiritual experience. It was so good. <laughs> Ability, affinity, and affirmation. What do people see in your life? That's why we need each other. If you're a lone ranger, man, get into the kingdom and get into the family. You don't belong alone. You belong with people who are your cheerleaders and encouragers so that you reach your full potential with them. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received, why? To serve others so that you can faithfully steward God's grace in its various forms. Say that with me, various forms. That means that the world, which is dying for grace, 
will see an anemic or incomplete picture when the church is not equipped and operating in who they each are to be individually and collectively together. Because grace is so glorious, it's got a billion different shades. And until you and I are equipped and we say, you know what, it ain't about me. I want to serve God's purposes in the kingdom, in the family, and in the world. Grace begins to get beautiful and colorful and vibrant and three-dimensional to a world desperate for something different than what they're drinking, what they're eating. So, hallelujah, praise God. That's the message. Start the journey with us. So the point is this, it's serve Sunday. Everyone thinks that word, oh, serve. You and I were made to serve. We weren't made to be all stuck on ourselves. We were made to grow into our potential, to use our gifts and our graces for the purposes of God, for his church, and for the world. Amen? Amen? So you got a pamphlet. The pamphlet when you walked in was not meant to go, whoa, I have to do 800 things. The pamphlet was our job. I spent a lot, we spent time on it yesterday. It was our job just trying to provide opportunities for you to investigate and to invest in what you might be gifted and called to. Amen? And can we just give a shout out? I want to give a shout, I got to give a shout out before they come up here. Who loved the new coffee bar and design? And <laughs> Megan and Haley over here at a party. And who always loves the communion table, especially these unbelievable gold uh, acorns? Patty Van Corbach, give it up for Patty. I'm telling you, can I just jump a little bit? When I came in here, this morning, and when I saw God's people activated using their gifts and doing the serve table and all the colors, and you know what it made the pastor do? Yes! <laughs> That's always been the point. It's not about coming here and just punching the ticket and leaving. It's about discovering who you're made to be and then getting to do it in here and doing it together in unity. And then when the world sees it, they go, whoa, what you're building is beautiful. Where do I sign up? How do I join? Yeah. I was so pumped and we were just dancing in pre-service prayer. We were just floored by the joy of the Lord because people are actively engaging and serving. So at this point, I want to invite ministry leaders. They're just going to share for a minute about their passion, you can put a name to a face and then we're gonna be done and we're gonna to get to talk and sign up. We have some interest sign up forms. So come on up ministry leaders, give it up for the ministry leaders. Come on. No one wants to come stand by me, but that's fine. <laughs> And if you have served, listen, this is not a new thing as if no one's been serving around here. If you have been serving here for longer than five years, can you stand up? Come on, this is not a time to be humble. Come on. Terry, we see you up there. If you've been serving for longer than 10 years, stay standing, longer than 10 years. Longer than 15 years, longer than 20 years, holy moly. Come on, somebody, give a shout out to those who serve. Amen, you can be seated. 
So we stand here building on what God has been establishing and doing in this place for decades. Amen. And so without further ado, I'm going to just pass it off. We're going to start with Patty. Good morning. My name is Patty O'Keefe. My passion is prayer. And my desire is to build the church into people of prayer. And just partner with God on what Chad already talked about. Um, prayer isn't a ministry. It's just who we are as God's people. Um, but in that, as um, we, some people have a passion to serve people in the church in prayer. And um, it can actually be a service and it's part of that is just being on a prayer team and um, being trained and equipped to pray for others and being available after church. Another part of that might be just praying for prayer requests on the connect cards in the back. Um, people are able to write a prayer uh, request and that goes to you and you can even do that at home. And then the other thing I really want to encourage anyone who has a passion um, a focus, a desire for prayer. It could be prayer. You might already be in a ministry praying for the city, praying for men, praying for children. I really want to encourage you to sign up because, or if you just want to connect with some other people who are like, I really want to pray for kids and I want to see, is there anyone else in the church? I want to encourage you to sign up because I'm not going to ask you to do anything, but we want to connect. We want to continue to encourage you. Yeah. We want to pray for you. And just, we're just praying that God would really build his people into a house of prayer in this location. Amen. So, bless you. Good. That's great. And by the way, all everyone, we're going to end the service right after this. Y'all aren't going to miss lunch. I want you to go back to the table of meet leaders. That's what we got tagged. So, amen. Here we go. Good morning, church. I'm Haley, and I am the children's minister at here at Cornerstone, and I absolutely love it. Psalms 104 says, serve the Lord with gladness. And we have 25 beautiful children. Three of them are my own. And my husband, Dave, who I wish was up here with me right now, but he's actually serving in the nursery. He's like a baby whisperer, by the way. Just have to give him a little shout out. But I, there are 25 kids, ages four to sixth grade, in the gym right now with my parents that are beautiful, malleable, tangible, Soften, their hearts are softened to Jesus and his love. And I love serving children. It is my passion. I burn for kids. I serve them every day of my life. And I want to serve them here on Sundays. And I would love for you to come join our team. We make it easy. We have prepared lessons for you. We are going through a wonderful curriculum right now called the Gospel Project. And I will give you a prepared lesson each week as long as you promise me that you will prepare your heart and pray for our kids and just, I would love for you to join um, my team. And um, I just, I pray that all of you would just open your hearts this morning to what God would have you do here. First Peter 4.10 says, use whatever gifts you have received to faithfully administer God's grace in its various forms. And who doesn't want to receive that today? So let's go people and thank you for listening. Um, hi, church. I'm Megan, and um, I've been working in the nursery with the ages zero to three. And yes, this is my sister, and no, we're not twins. <laughs> um, but this week, as I was reflecting on my passion and children, um, you know, God really gave me the picture of Old Faithful and how it's this wellspring that shoots up, but then it stops, and you kind of have to wait for it to shoot up again. And I really was thinking about that and how it... Um, 
goes along with the children, but with children, it's just this constant wellspring. And when I'm working with them, I just, I, I just, it's infectious. And you see things through their eyes and you're able to just see a new light on things. And I just, when I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm a constant wellspring that they're feeding into me. And you think you're ministering, but they minister to your hearts 10 times more. So I would just love for you to come join us. If you have a hip that can hold a baby, we'll take you. So come talk to me after. Well, good afternoon, church. My name is Patrick Hurler, and I am doing service and outreach. And uh, I see this church is a body with everybody in here has gifts, as Chad talked about today. We just need to identify what those are and where we can plug them into people that need help. Our, the culture of our church is being developed here as, as it grows. Uh, the character of our church needs to speak to the community. And we're going to do that through three ways. We're going to serve near, and that will be with the community of the body of our church as we take care of the people that are in this building. That's going to serve near. We're going to serve here with the people in the community of Santa Maria. And there are lots of opportunities where we can get together with, to, to, to do that. Um, we serve right now at the Good Samaritan Shelter. Uh, we'd like to extend that. Uh, we do that with a small group. We would like to extend that to the church body here where we can come in and once a month go down and serve to the people at the Good Samaritan Shelter. And we can serve far. And that would be through uh, things like crisis bags that we can collect with items put together for emergencies and, and reach out to the community and show the people that we love and that this is a building of love. So if guys have any, uh, anybody has any kind of a, a gift for mowing somebody's lawn or doing their windows or cleaning a house or, you know, all of us have needs here at time. Uh, even the meal train thing that goes on. It's just an act of service that we could reach out to do. So we all have those gifts. You know what they are. And if you'd like to identify those and put them on the list, we'll get you plugged in where you need to be. So. Does that mean you're going to come and mow my lawn tomorrow? That'd be great. Thank you. My name is Ken Van Korbeck. Um, yeah, it's my wife that does this. Um, We've been here, well, Patty's been here her whole life. I've been here almost 50 years. We helped build the facility. My passion is the facility. Um, it's a large facility, and we just need some help with some small things. Some of them are weekly. Some of them are monthly. Nothing labor-intensive, easy stuff to do, but we just really need more hands. Um, not a whole lot I can add to that. Just I want to give you all an FYI when you come next week. As of the beginning, 6 o'clock tomorrow morning, we have scaffolding coming in. We're installing all new speakers throughout the facility. Awesome. It'll make a big, big difference. Okay? Thank you. Hi. Um, my name is Veronica Zimmerman, and um, my passion is worship. Um, not only just serving here with our family um, every Sunday and Wednesday, but I'm passionate at just about helping equip our church body to um, 
have a lifestyle of worship that affects, you know, our families and our daily life and our workplace and in our city. And so um, we're always in um, welcoming to um, any musicians or vocalists or people who are passionate about um, helping us set up and tear down and tech. We have a faithful tech, Justin, up there who's been serving faithfully. One man show. So we always... Um, want to continue just adding people to our team um, and just creating a, a great culture of worship um, that goes beyond the four walls of our church, but also can be a blessing to our church body. So if you guys are passionate about that, you don't have to have any formal training. Um, just sign up at the back, and I'd love to talk to you guys about that. Well, my name is Aaron Zimmerman. This is my wife. So uh, she's doing worship, and I'm helping Ken with the building and the maintenance. And then uh, this is my sister Emily, and she's going to talk about the youth group. We're just getting ready to launch. And so obviously there's um, going to be some great things coming with that. I'm super stoked. I'm pumped about it. All, we got, you know, junior high guys and girls and, and high school as well that we're going to reach out to. And uh, Emily will tell you how. Hi, I'm Emily. Um, yeah, just real quick. I mean, I can just tell you. Me, Aaron, Veronica, probably others of you guys here that have served in youth ministries in the past, but I can just tell you, like, we've seen, you know, so many seeds that we planted that then years later you don't realize what it did, but then you get to see the product of, you know, a kid that maybe would have gone one way and then their life ended up somewhere else. And so I just want to say, if any of you guys, if you know teenagers, uh, that's half the battle at this point, let's get some teenagers in the door. And so some of you guys can be a part that way. And then, um, you know what, even if you just have a listening ear, if you just have a heart that you actually care about uh, teenagers and you can handle their craziness and you don't mind, you know, their, the way they are, you know, if, you, if you're the type of person that you just have a grace for that, we would just love if you could be a part of our team because we want to actually reach the city. We want to reach the young people. We want to see lives change. And we need spiritual moms and dads that can just open up the doors of their house and invite young people to sit in their kitchen and just talk and that you could just be a listening ear. You could be a word of wisdom to them. And so if you guys think that you would have time for that, that you would open up your, your house and your heart to teenagers and, and put invest some time, even if it's a little bit of time, like we would take it. So. Good. That's good. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori Hamlin. I am happy to be on the Care and Connect team here at the church. And I felt like Chad, when I walked in, I didn't know that they did, that Megan and Haley had done that with the coffee bar. And I literally felt like Joanna Gaines on Fixer Upper when she, like, dropped the curtain. And I'm like, <gasps> because it felt so welcoming. How many, I mean, did you guys feel welcome? It felt warm. It felt cozy, right? So being a part of Connect is people-focused, right? So we need to get people connected, and um, one way of doing that is filling up the coffee pot, right? It was Woo! good to have coffee, but I need people to be on my team to say, hey, there's no more coffee. Okay, and then when we have a tag team, we can be able to make sure that these things are getting replenished, so then that way we can constantly be able to welcome people with coffee and make it that cozy environment that we want. Um, how many of you are having a little trouble parking? Any? How many look good in bright orange? Anyone? Okay, well if you do, you can be on our street team um, because we wanna be able to make it flow and everything to work out really nicely with trying to find parking because how our parking lot is, it's kind of interesting. So we had a couple guys out there in some nice um, vest um, and be able to make it, again, that first impression, first impression is huge. 
and we want to be able to welcome everybody to our church and make it flow really nicely so then you can get in here and start worshiping and praying and um, being God's church. Um, but also greeters, um, be people to, you know, like people, sign up, yeah. smile. You can, you know, it doesn't take a lot to be a greeter. Um, and then ushers, you know, that's all part of just being a part of the church. That's what makes our church flow. Um, for those of you that do greeting and ushering, if you want to continue doing it, please sign up. So then that way I know that you want to keep doing it. Um, but I mean, everything, I mean, we, like Patrick said, it's all of like, we're connected. We're all connected in this ministry. We're all part of the DNA of our church, which is loving and living for Jesus everywhere. So we need each one of you guys to just come and visit us and to see where you can fit in. Um, so we can just continue to grow our church and make it that warm, um, environment that just, you can just love one another as a church community. That's good. Thank you, Lori. Awesome. You guys can go on to the back, go on to the back table. Everyone, all, they're all going to go uh, beat all of y'all to the table right now. That's your cue, everybody, if you're a leader. Let me just say something, because Megan just left, so I won't get in trouble now. Right, Megan left. She can't hear me. Okay, good. Shut the door so she can't hear me. Um, so again, I know if some of you are first-timers, you're like, dude, that was a different style of church. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> because it was never about, it's never about, it is, there is, let me, I want to go on record as your, as your pastor and friend. Can you belong here without being actively serving? Absolutely. Let me say that again. There's not like a gold star system. If you do the most stuff, you're the most best and the most, is everyone hearing me? Sometimes, listen, Sometimes in our journey of faith, we need a place, a solace, a refuge to just rest and to be healed and to be ministered to. Can you just say amen? And there is grace for that in this place. It's not about getting all busy or active. But I will say this. Uh, Megan told me, I'm going to get all emotional, but that's a good way to end the service. Megan just told me, because she was thinking about nursery, and am I really that passionate about it? And she definitely was not complaining. Let me go on the tape record. She's not complaining. But something happened in her spirit when she rose up and she took ownership. Ownership. And then when she talked about it later, she couldn't hardly do it without tears. That's what we're trying to say here today is that you can rise up and begin to take ownership. You can rise up. You may not think you're interested in a certain area. Oh, it's not for me. But plug in, just sign up, meet somebody. God might just give you a heart for that thing. Are you tracking with me? And there's just the, the spirit of, of when someone rises up and is equipped and owns a ministry, the life it releases like a ripple effect all around them. So some people who rose up in service just this week, it released life to an entire circle of people who weren't with them throughout their week because of what serving does to us on the inside and flows out. And so I want to encourage you with that. And so before I release you, and we're going to go out these doors, you'll see the big sign, Serve Sunday. Just go talk to some ministry leaders. Go shake some hands. Go love on them. Tell them you love them. Tell them you're there for them. It would be a shame to not give an opportunity if you're in this place and you've never done point number three, which is to believe that Jesus really is as good as he said he is, and to receive life, to receive salvation. And I want you to know, you don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You don't have to cut a bunch of red tape. You don't have to go to some certain Mecca or city. You don't have to accomplish enough rules. You believe with your heart, soul, mind, and strength that Jesus is King, that Jesus is Lord. 
and he's promised to give you a new life. I wish it was harder, but it's not. It's hard to follow him. It's tough. Life ain't easy, amen? But to receive the grace of God this morning, it's free. It's free, it's free, it's free. And if that's you this morning, can you just lift up your hand? You would say, Chatty, I wanna, I wanna receive the grace of Christ, maybe even for the first time, or the 50th time. Some of y'all, you say, I wanna receive, I wanna receive Christ, I wanna recommit my heart. That's so cool, all those hands that are raised. And so, Lord, we just say, Lord, release saving grace in this place where we just repent, which means we turn from our sin and we run into the arms of a father whose arms are already open, whose love he wants to lavish on you. We bless you, God. We praise you. I thank you for new life. Can we just give a shout for those who raised their hand today? Two more things. Some people are asking, what the heck are journey groups? I've been praying about what to call our small groups for a long time. I even Googled 16 different names to call small groups. And I'm telling you, at 1.54 in the morning, God woke me up and I wrote a whole narrative about journey groups. I felt like he just said, journey group, do it. Everyone's on a journey. People ask you, what are you doing? I'm going to journey group. What's that? Well, it's a chance to share with unbelievers. Well, everyone's on a journey. It's just, it's awesome. We may change the name in two weeks. I don't really care. But for now... If someone has a better idea, because I'm, I'm open, that's what the journey group sign is. If you're looking to get plugged into a small group, a home group, a house church, you're tired of just coming with 80, you want to be with four or 10 or 20, that's what that table means, the journey group table. If, you wanna, if you're looking to connect with people and following God, that's the table. And then world missions, you can sign up because it's going to get, that's going to blow up here in the, in the days and months ahead. Are you excited about that? I am too. Lord, we love you. Would you send us now? Send us now to be equipped to serve your purposes, Lord. I pray that you would release the grace of God over every heart, that we would all learn and grow together, discovering our unique gifting, our unique callings. And when we operate in that, Lord, our body's going to get mature. We're going to rise up and be strengthened. We're going to reach the maturity that matches our King Jesus as our head and our Lord. Father, we bless you. We worship you. Send us now and help everyone not to be in a hurry to get out of here, but to go hang out with some people. In Jesus' name, amen.